Good evening. And uh, can I say happy Tuesday? That's kind of weird to say happy Tuesday, right? Well, why not? Every day is a day from the Lord. So why not say happy Tuesday? It's an honor to be with you all this evening. And uh, I hope that you all have enjoyed your day. If you're a first time guest with us, I'd like to welcome you uh, to Newark UPC. Uh, to Newark UPC. I'm so used to saying our website name. We kind of drilled it through so many times that I was about to roll off. Uh, but if you need to know anything about us, if you'd like to check us out and kind of uh, troll through, that's what we call one of our members here who likes to go through all the different files and things. Uh, we, we call her a troll. I won't say her name, but if you'd like to troll through our site to learn a little bit more about us, uh, feel free to do so. Uh, we can learn about the uh, pastoral team, uh, kind of see some faces with names. If you haven't seen us already on the, on our on our broadcast, uh, you can look at old messages. Uh, you can send us your contact information. If you'd like to be reminded, uh, be added to our list so you can be reminded of messages and, and different notifications. Uh, feel free to do that. But for those of you who are regulars, thank you so much for holding the fort down. Uh, your faithfulness is appreciated and welcome again this evening. Uh, this week, we've started a new series and we're going to be looking at mothers uh, in preparation for this Sunday uh, coming up, which is Mother's Day. Uh, and we're going to be looking at various mothers. And this series can maybe called The Good, Bad and the Ugly. Also, we have some some of uh, a mixed bag here that we'll be looking at. And one tonight, I kind of put her in the bad category, but I'll let you decide um, by the time I get into this uh, message here. We're going to be looking at mothers and um, the, the role of a mother is one of the most important in the world, if not the most important. And uh, we're going to look at the impact uh, that mothers can have on their children in particular. So I'm going to pray and we will get into our message tonight. And uh, you, why don't you pray with me? Jesus, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together in your name. God, we thank you for your goodness toward us, Lord. And God, as we look at mothers this day, Lord, we ask that you would uh, bless each and every one of our mothers, Lord. Those uh, near and dear to us have suffered some losses just recently, Lord, of, of their precious mother, oh God. We ask that you would comfort and give them peace, Lord. Those who this holiday brings about those sad memories, God, that, that you would comfort them, Lord, and be with them, Lord Jesus. And God, we thank you uh, that we can be here tonight. Open our hearts and our minds to your word, Lord, and teach us something perhaps that we did not know before. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm going to um, present to you probably a fairly familiar story. And uh, we're going to look at uh, the mother, Rebecca, uh, tonight. And uh, the, the story of Esau and Jacob is one that's pretty popular, but there's a there's a sort of a sub story mixed throughout here. Uh, they're a big story that I think is very important. And I think it's a lesson that we all as mothers and in particular as parents um, can really learn something from. And so I'm going to start tonight with Genesis 26. And I'm going to start with verse 19. And this is the account of the births of Esau and Jacob, who were twins. And it says, this is the account of the family of Isaac, the son of Abraham. When Isaac was 40 years old, he married Rebekah, the daughter of Bethul, the Aramean from Padanaram, and the sister of Laman of Aramean. Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer and Rebecca became pregnant with twins. Woo, he got a double blessing. But the two children struggled with each other in her womb. So, so she went to ask the Lord about it. Why is this happening to me, she asked. And the Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations. 
From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve your younger son. Now, I can imagine what Rebecca's response was to that, like, mm. and literally in her womb, these babies are having a battle here. They're struggling together. And verse 24 picks up and says, and when the time came to give birth, Rebecca discovered that she did indeed have twins. The first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat. So they named him Esau. Then the other twin was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So they named him Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when the twins were born. So that's an odd birthday. I mean, you literally one comes out clinging to the other. And again, I can imagine what Rebecca was thinking based on what God had already shared with her. Verse 27 says, as the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. He was an outdoorsman, but Jacob had a quiet temperament, preferring to stay at home. Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game Esau brought home. But Rebecca loved Jacob. Now, that's an interesting turn of phrase here that the scriptures are pointing out. And that's not just a happenstance. That's the reason for saying that. So here we see um, uh, that one parent prefers one child over the other. So it's crisscross. You know, the father, Isaac, prefers Esau. But the mom, and actually put it, it puts it a little differently, loved Jacob. And we're going to see why this is important here. Dropping down. Um, to Genesis 27, cutting out a, a significant chunk there. And this is one day when Isaac was old and turning blind. So years have passed now. Isaac is old and he's turning blind. And he called for Esau, his older son. And he said, my son. Yes, father, Esau replied. I am an old man now. And I don't know when I may die. Take your bow and a quiver full of arrows and go out into the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare my favorite dish and bring it here for me to eat. Then I'll I will pronounce the blessing that belongs to you, my firstborn son, before I die. So this blessing, notice that what, what Isaac said, this blessing belongs to you as the firstborn son. But Rebecca, now that's the second but Rebecca we have here. First is, but Rebecca loved Jacob. And now it's, but Rebecca overheard what Isaac had said to his son Esau. So when Esau left to hunt for the wild game, she said to her son Jacob, listen, I overheard your father say to Esau, bring me some wild game and prepare me a delicious meal. Then I will bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now, my son, listen to me. Do exactly as I tell you. Go out to the flocks and bring me two fine young goats. I'll use them to prepare your father's favorite dish. Then take the food to your father so that he can eat it and bless you before he dies. Mm -mm -mm. Rebecca something. But look, Jacob replied to Rebecca, my brother Esau is a hairy man and my skin is smooth. What if my father touches me? He'll see that I'm trying to trick him and then he'll curse me instead of blessing me. But his mother replied, this is Rebecca again, then let the curse fall on me, my son, 
Just do what I tell you. Go out and get the goats for me. So Rebecca is determined and she didn't even care. Uh, let me just put it this way. She was so determined that she was willing to risk it. Yes, even the curse falling on her, if you will, should that should things go south. Um, but she wanted her favorite son to be the one to get the blessing. Verse 14 says, so Jacob went out and got the young goats for his mother. Rebecca took them and prepared a delicious meal, just the way Isaac liked it. Then she took Esau's favorite clothes, which were there in the house and gave them to her youngest son, Jacob. She covered his arms with the smooth part of his, of his neck and the skin of the young goat. Then she gave Jacob the delicious meal, including freshly baked bread. As soon as Isaac had finished, I'm sorry, I dropped down to, I'm sorry, I dropped all the way down to verse 30 because I'm trying to save you all the details of the story. You have to go back and read that for yourself. So picking up at verse 30, says, as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob and almost before Jacob had left his father, Esau returned from his hunt. Esau prepared a delicious meal and brought it to his father. So Esau has missed all this. He's out hunting and he's just thinking, doop, 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 I'm going to go make this great meal for my dad. I'm going to go back home and get my blessing. And Rebecca's been plotting in the meantime. And I don't know about you, but most women can whip up a meal if you're a skilled cooker, you know, pretty quick. So she she beat him to the punch and he comes in and, it's, you know, he's totally missed what's happened while he was gone. And so he returned from his hunt. Esau prepared a delicious meal and brought it to his father. Then he said, sit up, my father, and eat my wild game so you can give me your blessing. And I'm sure Esau is going, what? I mean, Isaac, because remember, Isaac is blind. He can't, he can't see. And he, But Isaac asked him, who are you? And Esau replied, it's your son, your firstborn son, Esau. Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably and said, then who just served me wild game? I have already eaten it. And I blessed him just before you came in. And yes, that blessing must stand. Ooh, that's a powerful thing. He can't take the blessing back. He can't say, oops, it was a mistake. Right? I don't know why that is, but the blessing has to stand. When Esau heard his father's words, he let out a loud and bitter cry. Oh, my father, what about me? Bless me too, he begged. But Isaac said, your brother was here and he tricked me. He has taken away your blessing. Esau exclaimed, no wonder his name is Jacob, which I heard means deceiver. Okay, I'm adding that in there. No wonder his name is Jacob, for now he has cheated me twice. First, he took my rights as the firstborn, and now he has stolen my blessing. Oh, haven't you saved even one blessing for me? Isaac said to Esau, I have made Jacob your master and have declared that all his brothers will be his servants. I have guaranteed him an abundance of grain and wine. What is left for me to give you, my son? Esau pleaded, but you have only one blessing? Oh, my father, bless me too. Then Esau broke down and wept. Finally, his father Isaac said to him, I imagine here, you know, if it were possible, you know, Isaac by now is trying to scrape up a blessing. But finally, his father Isaac said to him, you will live away from the richness of the earth and away from the dew of the heaven above. You will live by your sword and you will serve your brother. But when you decide to break free, 
you will shake his yoke from your neck. I imagine, you know, Esau, like, what kind of blessing is that? But okay, I'll take it. Verse 44, and says, from that time on, Esau hated Jacob because their father had given Jacob the blessing and Esau began to scheme. Esau was mad. Now I grew up in the house of a lot of siblings, so I know about scheming siblings. But I want you to notice who's who's kind of faded the blackie, who's getting the blame. Uh, Jacob was young, probably not the brightest crown in the bunch for following his mother's orders, but nonetheless, he did. And now this rivalry has happened between these two brothers. And Esau, scripture says, he hated Jacob because their father had given Jacob the blessing. And Esau began to scheme, I will soon be mourning my father's death. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. So in other words, Isaac is already old and about to pass on, which is why Isaac called for him in the first place. Uh, so he would bless him before he passed. And he's plotting to kill his brother when his father passes. Here's another, but Rebecca, verse 42 says, but Rebecca heard about Esau's plans. So she sent for Jacob and told him, listen, Esau is consoling himself by plotting to kill you. So listen carefully, my son, get ready and flee to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay there with him until your brother cools off. When he calms down and forgets what you have done to him, notice what you have done to him. She was the plotter behind the scene, mind you. I will send for you to come back. Why should I lose both of you in one day? Then Rebecca said to Isaac, now look how quickly she shifted. So she gives the, her son, you know, she, she tells um, Jacob what, she, what he should do. But then she turns to Isaac and I'm just, I'm imagining here, I can't help, I'm, I'm imagining a pretty conniving woman. And then Rebecca says to Isaac, I am sick and tired of these local Hittite women. I'd rather die than see Jacob marry one of them. What? When did we get here? But this is the character of the woman, okay? So she's dishonest. She's showing preference to one son of the other. Now, I'm not gonna focus on Jacob here. I'm well aware that Jacob had his preferences also, but, but this is about mothers this week. So I'm gonna try my very best to stay on Rebecca as the subject of this story. And so, yes, I do imagine her pulling a drama queen move. I'm sick of these local Hittite women, right? I'd rather die than see Jacob marry one of them. So she uses the fact that she wants to see Jacob marry a woman other than his Hittite woman. Basically, she's saying, I want him to marry a woman of my people. She uses this as a cloak for sending Jacob away. And so this, this uh, family event here that's happened, th these biases that are happening, this uh, conniving of Becca, Rebecca here really causes a riff in the family because Jacob does leave and he travels to Haran to, to stay with her brother Laban. And that's a whole, you know, another story there uh, for another day. But now these families are separated, you know, brother against brother. You know, I, I, I'm sure eventually Isaac figured out what really went happened, what really happened. I'm sure that's not how they expected the sin to spend the, the, the latter years of their life uh, with their son being somewhere else. And with this angry brother left behind. And, and I can only imagine the events that happened. Um, but yeah, in short, Jacob ran for his life. And he did get a wife. In fact, he got two wives officially and, and, a, and a couple of their handmaids and, and, and had you know, children of his own uh, eventually. Um, but 
nonetheless, he spent uh, 20, about 20 years away from his mother and his father and his brother. Right. So this you know, squabble that we read about separated him for at least 20 years uh, from them. And they didn't get to enjoy their lives together. Right. I know that it's the joy of, of, of uh, parents that spend their lives with their children and their grandchildren and, and to enjoy them. And, and that uh, event caused that not to happen for uh, Rebecca and Isaac and for the remainder of Isaac and, and Esau. And I'm very much aware what God told Rebecca while she was pregnant with the twins, Esau and Jacob, the, the older would serve the younger. And I think sometimes I, I wonder if Rebecca took that um, and ran with it. In other words, she remembered what God told her about these sons and she decided that she was going to make it happen. And uh, that's one thing we got to be careful of. You know, even if God shares things with us, uh, we don't have to make them happen. Unless God gives you explicit instructions on something that you need to do in that, then you don't have to make it. You don't have to make it happen. God is perfectly capable of carrying out his plans. Or in this case, we're not even sure if it was God's plan. Right? God, God has a way of just kind of telling you what is going to happen. Doesn't mean that he's the one orchestrating it. But I can tell you this, that God is not down with favoritism. God does not like partiality. Um, I know there's some people that believe in predestination, you know, that God destined some people to be saved and some people not to be. Um, and that's contrary to God's word, because God's word said that it's his, it's his will that all be saved. And to mention I, the reason I mentioned predestination here, because, again, I'm going back to what God said to Rebecca, um, that the older was the young. Sorry, the older was going to serve the younger. You know, maybe she took it that way. Or maybe we look at this story and we think, oh, this is what God ordered to happen. And uh, we don't have that in scripture. We don't, we don't, it doesn't bear that out. And so whether she took it as that, and again, she figured I can get in here and manipulate and, you know, uh, mothers can get, oh, I don't want to get in trouble here tonight, but we can get entangled in some things when we get to uh, being busybody, so to speak, and wanting the best for our children, or, or we think that this is what my son should have or my daughter should have. And, and you got to be careful uh, to stay in your lane as a parent. And, uh, but God is not down with partiality. And the main point I want to point out to this story is that these parents had favorites. And in particular, Rebecca had favorites and how that um, partiality impacted their family. And in the case of mother and child, uh, that mother and child relationship, man, partiality is dangerous. Yeah. Really what you're saying when you prefer one child over the other is you're saying to one child, you're better. And to another child, you're less than. I mean, that's really what happens. And you think about your own, if you if you have a sibling, at least one. And hopefully you haven't had to endure that. But I know many families, this kind of thing happens. It's not just Rebecca, where a parent prefers one child over the other. And many children, um, they get scarred mentally and emotionally uh, when a mother behaves like, like that. And the effects can be horrible. I mean, you think about that um, when a when a person um, is is raised that way, or when they have to deal with that, and, and that and the especially the one who is not preferred, right? It says to them that they're less than. That something is wrong with me, and you know what happens in the house, you know, in our homes. Well, those things go with us, you know. So if a child perhaps has been raised that way. Um, feeling like they're nothing, then they, you know, as little as little kids, they, they take it to kindergarten, right? 
you take those mentalities that have been embedded into you. You take them out into the world with you. And so even as a little child, uh, kids can pick up on these signals that, hey, you know, my, my mom doesn't like me. That's how they read things like that. And um, yeah, those those kind of mentalities get taken into our relationships. Right. Somehow that we we feel inferior and this makes us um, can make us feel desperate. You know, for, for people and that kind of thing. So it, it, it really puts us in a bad headspace when, when we're treated that way. And um, we don't know our value uh, because we've been treated in such an inferior way. And it can even affect the way we approach God, our relationship with God. Um, but God is the one, if we take the time to get to know them, who establish our value. So in spite of mothers, but I'm not going to get off on that tangent tonight. And so we are talking here tonight about mothers. Uh, in preparation for Mother's Day. And um, I don't want to depress you. I don't want this to be a, a depressing message here. But I want to I wanted to talk to you a, a little bit about the, the power of a mother, right? The power of a mother's voice. And if that voice, if you will, is used for good, um, it's a powerful thing. And I remember when my uh, oldest daughter was little, I'm thinking about, again, the power of a mother. And, and how our children read us. Some of you mothers are saying, mm-hmm, right? Children are amazing. And when Tina was little, I remember I, I'm always a roadrunner. I stay in my car a lot. And I travel back and forth from Delaware to D.C. along uh, a lot. And, and um, one night when she was just about, she was just about six months old. She was a little thing. And I would always position her in the back seat so that I could see her from the rearview mirror clearly. And I wanted her to be able to see me. You know, I was one of those moms where I just kind of had their eyes on her all the time. And so, you know, she's, she's just a little thing. And um, so we had a really bad car accident one night. And I will not get into that, making a long story short. And I'm talking about 18-wheeler, you know, holding out a really, really bad car accident. And I remember when the car came to a stop, you know, as a mom, I, my neck jerks around to see her. And I'm expecting this baby to be screaming and, you know, hollering because it was that kind of a traumatic car accident. And I remember her eyes being locked on mine. She was quiet. And her eyes were just locked into mine. And when she saw calm in my eyes, I believe somehow it made her calm. She didn't make a peep. And as a mother, we understand that, right? We Sometimes we hold it together just for the children. And I'm talking about that bond and what we communicate um, through our behavior, what we communicate through our touch. Yes, through our looks and obviously through our words. And my calm, which was deliberate calm at that moment because inside I was losing it. I mean, allow her to be calm. Uh, one other story in the car, because again, we tend to be in the car a lot. This is years later. And uh, I'm all in, I'm thinking, it's a long ride, I'm riding somewhere and I'm thinking to myself and and she's in that same spot in the back seat and she can see me through the rearview mirror as well. And I got deep in my thoughts, you know. And I remember her saying, mommy, you know, don't be sad. Everything's going to be okay. And I'm thinking, I didn't say a word. You know, I wasn't crying. I wasn't wasn't that kind of moment. But she that's how sometimes our children can be so in tune to us that they 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 can literally read our eyes, if you will. Um, a mother, a mother's arms are supposed to be a safe place, a warm place. There's no nurturer um, like a mother. Again, I'm talking about the power of a, of a mother, a powerful effect that mothers can have on their children. And our words can lift the child to soaring heights. They can instill pride and self-confidence. And this thing didn't go around. I realize that we have a lot of kids sometimes, or you have multiple kids sometimes, and um, we have this way of, you know, we want to treat them equal. Um, but equal isn't always the same, right? 
we got enough love to go around and we can love those children in the way that they need to be loved. And uh, you don't have to take from one to give to another. Talking about being aware of ourselves sometimes when we, when we, the things we say and how those words are affecting our children. And um, yeah, our words, if we, if we're conscious with them, our behaviors toward our children, right? They can instill positive things. They can, they can set our children up for success. When they step by that door, they got confidence. I'm not talking about the wrong kind of pride, but they, they're okay with self because what's been put into them um, has strengthened them. And, and, and it's their anger, if you will, when they go out into this world. And we can celebrate our children's differences, right? I think it's profound how children can be so different. Children that come from the same parent, like how did how they? Hey, that's the diversity that God has given to each of us. No two people are like, even from the same parent, even twins, right? I know several sets of twins. Even twins aren't exactly alike, and so we can celebrate a child's differences or our children's differences without elevating one or the other. Right. As mothers, we have to be very, very, very conscious of what it is we are transmitting to our children. We want to strengthen them. We want them to be in the, um, the best uh, mental space. We want them to be um, healthy. And I mean by that healthy in every way. And so uh, poor Rebecca, I can't say she's the best example of that, but we can learn from her life. For example, we can benefit from Rebecca's mistakes. Um, she can be an example to us of what not to do. Now, eventually, those 20 years did pass and um, Jacob did come home and, and was reconciled to his brother. But nonetheless, they had lost all that time. You can't get that kind of time back. They had lost valuable years and watching each other's children grow up and, and those kind of things that are precious to families. And so we don't want that for our families. So as mothers, let's use our voice for good. Yes, let's use our influence for good and not uh, for wrong things. I'll leave you with this one verse tonight from Proverbs 14. It says, a wise woman builds her home, but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. That scripture is not talking about a physical house. No, it's talking about the family. All right. It's talking about the family. Let's not tear down our children, but rather let's raise them up. Use your voice to raise them up. Jesus, we thank you, Lord. For reminding us, Lord Jesus, us women in particular, Lord, the power of our voice, the power of our nurture, the power of our love, Lord Jesus, that we can use that love as you would have us to, Lord, to build up our children in particular, God, as we focus on this night, to, to instill in them uh, confidence and a sense of pride, a, a sense of security, Lord Jesus, instead of tearing them down. Help us, oh God, to uh, love them like you love us. There's no respect of person with you. You are not partial toward us, God. You love each and every one of us, Lord Jesus. And you uh, take care of us, oh God, mind, body, and soul. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness this night, Lord. God, be with us, Lord, as we leave this broadcast. And uh, bless each and every one that is gathered here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I uh, hope I didn't depress you tonight talking about Rebecca. Um, but I, I like to pull out that story sometimes because sometimes you read in the Bible or sometimes people think the Bible is just full of all these great stories. But if you get in there, there's people of all kinds. And these stories are meant to be examples to us, examples of what to do and examples of what not to do. And in, in this case, tonight, Rebecca fell into the category of example of what not to do. But then from that, we can learn what to do. Well, God bless you all. 
Don't forget to go over to newarkubc.info. And there, again, you can find anything it is you want to know about us. And if you can't find it there, then you can go to that contact us card and uh, reach out to us. And one of us will make uh, direct contact with you one way or the other uh, to answer any question that may not be addressed there. God bless you all and have a wonderful night.